Oh, that one didn't work as good as the other ones did. All right. Well, good morning, everybody. Nice singing out there, listening to everybody worship and praise the Lord. Merry Christmas. All right. Well, it's Christmas Eve, and you're in church. I want to thank you all for making a wonderful decision to be here today. Today's the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it, and we will prioritize the word of the Lord today. So uh, hello, hello, hello. I want to invite all of you back this afternoon at 4 p.m. for our candlelight service. We're going to have a wonderful time. Some folks have asked if we're going to live stream the service this afternoon, and the answer is we're not going to do that this year. And this is so that our technicians can have the, a small reprieve. They've been here since about 8 o'clock this morning getting everything ready for, the, for this service. And so they serve every single weekend, and they don't ever have any time off, and with Christmas Eve being a Sunday today, we wanted to give them a little bit of a blessing. So uh, if you're unable to be here tonight, today is your Christmas Eve service, all right? So for those of you online, if you can make it this afternoon, we'd love to have you with us, all right? And our apologies for anybody who can't make it. So we are concluding our sermon series today called BC, which stands for Before Christmas. And uh, today we're gonna look at Malachi's sign of love. So you can open your Bible to the book of Malachi in the Old Testament. We're going to look at chapter one and then we'll bump up to chapter three after that. Hopefully you grabbed a program on your way in. Inside there's an outline for you to follow along with and as usual you can scan that QR code and follow along with me digitally. Christmas is an exciting time of year, isn't it? Are you all excited? Well, some of you are. Some of you aren't. That's okay. Uh, as we said last week, our favorite part of Christmas, and I know we all got our opinions, but if you were to ask 10 out of 10 kids, their favorite part is what, kids? The presents. That's right, that's right. Have you ever received a Christmas gift from somebody that, that you were even a little bit disappointed with? Even a little bit. Raise your hand. Look, I see the women are out there raising their hands, and husbands are sitting on their hands. Okay, all right. There are those times in life when we get, right, we, we have expectations about receiving something, right? And then we get all excited about the possibility, like, yes! And then our expectations are not met. And then we get deflated. And, and some of us might even feel like we're unloved. Disappointment can be a challenge in life, can it? Especially when it comes to gift giving. Right, according to a recent survey, the top 10 Christmas gifts that make someone feel unloved, all right? So if you're still shopping this afternoon, let me give you some advice of what not to give somebody that you love, all right? Don't give these. Coming in at number 10 is self-help books, all right? Here's how something is wrong with you, sweetheart, right? Number nine, keychains. You see this bulk in my pocket? Like, I need something else in my pocket, right? Number eight, wrinkle cream. <laughs> Honey, I love you. Here's some wrinkle cream, right? Number seven, re-gifts. Uh, Honey, your mother gave that to us last year. Don't do that, all right? Don't do that. Number six, pets. Merry Christmas, Auntie, here's your new cat. I don't 
like cats. Oh, okay. Oh, I know you want that hamster. I know you do. Number five, gift cards to places they never go. But you do. Yep. Number four, chocolates from brands you've never heard of. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Number three, socks and underwear. All right. I gave my son socks yesterday. All right, all right. Number two, anything exercise or diet related. <laughs> Hi, honey, yeah, here's your new scale and gym membership. Yeah. And coming in at number one, and folks, do not do this tonight or tomorrow morning. Really, don't do this. It's you saying, I'm the gift. <laughs> really? You're the gift? Anybody ever done that? Honest? Come on. Anybody? I got a smart church. All right. Word of the wise, if you're considering that online, no. Just don't do it. But sometimes we can get disappointed with some of the gifts that we receive at Christmas time. But if we're honest, a fact that we all know and we experience is that life is disappointing sometimes too. And when we have those times when life disappoints us, we as humans, we're actually quite quick to ask questions. We ask questions like, why? Why not me? Why did that have to happen to me? Why did that have to happen to a loved one of mine? What if? What if it hadn't happened? What, what if it was going to happen some other time, but not right now? Or how long? How long am I going to have to wait for what I really want to have happen? And the list just goes on and on and on on all these questions that we ask. Here's another fact of life. The greater the expectation is, the greater the anticipation, and then the greater the disappointment when it doesn't happen. Especially those times in life when we really, really, really yearn for something and then it doesn't even have to be a gift, but it doesn't come true, and when that happens, we get really deflated, we get really bummed. And this is especially true if we're promised something by someone else. And man, if they don't come through, and the kicker is when they don't come through on our timetable, isn't it? We feel like, geez, they don't even love me. Isn't that how it goes? And the reason is we expect things because we have our lives planned in our minds, and honestly, many times, we don't see the bigger picture of the things that are going on because we have all these expectations going on inside of us. And this is exactly what was happening with the Jews during the ministry of Malachi. Over the last three weeks, we've talked about some of the prophets who ministered during B.C. times, before Christmas, before Christ, during the times of the kings, God used the prophets to give his message to the kings and to the people, and we talked about the ministries of Micah, Isaiah, and Jeremiah, and how all three of these prophets predicted the coming Messiah to save Israel from their difficulty. So now we fast forward. The year is now 432 B.C. The Jewish kings are no more. Persia has taken over as the world power from Babylon. The Jews are allowed to go back from exile and return to Jerusalem. They've returned to Jerusalem. 
They've rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem. They've rebuilt the temple under Nehemiah's leadership. Malachi is going to be the last prophet that God uses to bring his message to the people before we get to the New Testament. So Malachi comes along at a time when the Jews were struggling to believe that God still loved them. They thought that God had abandoned them. Yes, they had been through some difficult situations. They rebelled against God and they were taken off into exile. And they were focusing now on their circumstances and they refused to account for their own personal sin. So God pointed the finger right back at them through the prophet Malachi. So God told the people where they had fallen short, the things that they had done, and how they broke the covenant with him. And he also told them that if they hoped for any kind of change moving forward, that they needed to take personal responsibility for their actions and begin to serve God faithfully according to the promises that their ancestors had made with God on Mount Sinai centuries before. So here are the Jews, and they're feeling abandoned by God. Have you ever felt abandoned by God? They're feeling like God has stopped loving them somewhere along the way. And so they're looking at what the prophet Malachi says. So let's look at what he says. Malachi chapter one, starting in verse one. It says, an oracle, the word of the Lord to Israel through Malachi. And he says, I have loved you, says the Lord. Now let's just stop real quick. Here in the original Hebrew language, these words from God have a very special emphasis. And it's really hard for us as English speakers to truly capture the meaning of what God is saying here. But basically, church, God is emphatically telling his people, I have loved you this whole time. Even though you may have been in exile, even though you've been disobedient to me and my decrees, I have loved you, Israel, this whole time. And then it says, but you ask, how God, how have you loved us? So here you can see the disappointment for the Jews. And it causes them to question whether or not they are really, actually, truly loved by God. In fact, they're doing what we do. They're looking at their circumstances and they're not seeing God anywhere. So they're throwing up blame to heaven. God, you told us 300 years ago with Isaiah that, that you would send the Messiah to save us. We're not seeing it. And yet we went off into exile with Babylon. We had to put up with Nebuchadnezzar. And, and you call that loving? Are you kidding me? How have you loved us, God? By the way, this makes total sense to us, doesn't it? We understand exactly what the Israelites are thinking, feeling, and experiencing. We go through difficult times in our life. Because it's not a matter of if we go through difficult times, right, church? It's when we go through difficult times. So the issue here, by the way, is not does God love us? Because he does. 
His word says so. We go through difficulty because the world is broken. It's been that way since Genesis chapter three in the Garden of Eden. This is just how life is and it happens to all of us. The good, the bad, and the ugly. And I know because I'm all three of those. I'm just kidding. But we're gonna go through trials in life and it's important that we have the correct perspective when we go through them, all right? So here's the Israelites, they're feeling hurt, they're disappointed at God. Pretty common experience when life deals somebody a bad hand. Maybe you had a plan. You had a vision of where life was gonna go for you or for your family. It's all working good, things are moving in the right direction and then something, bam, unforeseen happens. Permanent change of plans. Congregation, we just went through one of the worst pandemics in modern history. Death tolls through the roof. Some of your own family members were killed by the virus. In 2019, there was nobody who was planning on COVID sweeping across the world. Some of you watching at home this morning, you're still unable to join us in this place because of a medical condition. Here's the point. We all experience very difficult situations. And one of the worst things that we can do, congregation, is start to think in our minds that God doesn't love me anymore. Congregation, hear me this morning. There is nothing, nothing that you can do for God to love you any more than he currently does or any less than he currently does. Nothing. So on this Christmas Eve, the word of God to everybody in this room is this. God loves you. Y'all with me on that? How do we know that? Because Jeremiah 31, 31 says this, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Now, how long is everlasting? That's a pretty long time. And the best part about God's love is it's unconditional. So the word of the Lord comes to the prophet Malachi, and he gives the Israelites a sign of his love. Malachi chapter 3, starting in verse 1. God says to us, See, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Now let's just stop for a second. If you know your New Testament, this is the prophecy of John the Baptist. John the Baptist would be the next prophet after Malachi, 400 years later, and he would be the last prophet of the Old Covenant, and he would prepare the way for the Messiah. So the verse continues. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. The messenger of the covenant now. This, my friends, is Jesus. And I love how the text here says, whom you desire will come. Malachi has declared right here a sign of love. Hope will come, Israel, and it will come in the form of a Messiah who will give you a fresh start. And this promised one will be preceded by a messenger, one who will prepare the way. 
So after all the Jews had been through, the word of the Lord comes now through Malachi, and the prophet gives the people and the priest of the time four chapters of instruction on how to renew the covenant with God. He gives them a glimmer of hope for the remnant of faithful Jews that will stay faithful to God for the next 400 years. 400 years, church, that's a long time. The United States is only 250-ish or so years old. So as you can see in your outline here, 400 years, God stays silent. Nothing from him, not a peep. And during that 400 silent years, many of the Jews began worshiping idols. They started worshiping other gods. They fell victim to the pressures of the world around them. Even though they knew what God had said, they turned their back on God. Hmm, does that sound a little familiar? I think it does. Do you know anybody in your life who's turned their back on God? They know what the scripture says. You've taught them or they were taught in church and still in the midst of that, they were lured by the attraction of the world and said, God, I'm not interested anymore. This is exactly what happened to the Jews. So before we transition into the New Testament, I just want to ask you this morning, church, do you believe, you personally, do you believe that God still loves you with an everlasting love? Do you believe that he's gonna come through on his promises? Do you believe that in spite of whatever difficult situation you have going on in your life, and with all the chaos that's going on in the world around us, do you personally believe that God is for you and he's on your side? 400 years go by. Two messengers of love were prophesied by Malachi. And now in the New Testament, a Jewish man, a priest by the name of Zechariah, has a friendly interaction. Look with me, if you would, in the New Testament to the book of Luke, chapter one, verse 11. It says this, then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zacharias saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. All right, let's just stop there. Wouldn't you be startled if you, you turned around and there's an angel standing there? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I would. And so the story goes on in Luke chapter one to say that the angel Gabriel tells Zachariah that his wife Elizabeth is gonna give birth to a son and they are to name him John. And, and this became John the Baptist. About six months later, same angel, Gabriel, goes to Elizabeth's cousin. Her name's Mary. Maybe you've heard of her. Luke chapter one, verse 28 says this. So the angel says to her, greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Yeah, Mary's not frightened at all, right? No, she's, she's frightened. And, and verse 29 says this, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. I think you would be too. I love how Luke just says it kind of gently here. 
She was freaked out, people, all right? Spoken like a true doctor here, right? Not a problem, Mary, no. Verse 30, the angel says to her, don't be afraid. Mary, you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And so here you have two pregnant women, family, and they rejoiced with each other over the news. And within a few months, both give birth to sons as prophesied by Malachi. John grew up to be God's messenger. He called people to repentance and he called people to baptism and and lots of people were thinking that John himself was the Messiah. And John had to say, I'm not. And we see these in words in Luke chapter three, verse 16. He says, John answered them all. I baptize you with water, but one more powerful than I will come. The thongs of whose sandals I'm not even worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with what church? Fire. So as a forerunner, John appointed, I'm sorry, John pointed the people to Jesus, the son born to Mary, who was not an ordinary child. Jesus was, as Malachi said, the Lord coming to his temple, the messenger of the covenant, the Savior whom we long desired. Jesus was more than just a sweet baby boy that was born at Christmas time that we celebrate. Folks, he was our Savior. So number one in your outline, if you ever doubt that you're loved by God, just look to the cradle. Now just imagine you're hearing this for the very first time, and some of you in our room today are watching online, this may be the very first time you hear this. But on the very, very, very first Christmas night, God Almighty, Lord of heaven and earth, the sovereign creator of the universe, became one of us. And not just one of us, he became the very least of one of us. He came as a baby and was placed in the proverbial cradle, a manger. Christian author Max Lucado, he says it like this. God was given eyebrows, elbows, two kidneys, and a spleen. He came not as a flash of light or an unapproachable conqueror, but as one whose first cries were heard by a peasant girl and a sleepy carpenter. The hands that first held him were unmanicured, calloused, and dirty. The king of kings had no royal silk, No ivory, no height, no party, and no hoopla. Angels watched as Mary changed God's diaper. You can't get more powerful than that, congregation. If you ever doubt God's love for you, just look to the cradle. God coming to earth on that very first Christmas night as a baby. He didn't have to come that way. But there was a purpose for him doing so. In fact, Matthew describes it like this. Matthew chapter one, verse 21, he says, she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will, what church? Save, save, get that, save his people from their sins. 
powerful truth here. And we may not all be comfortable with the word sin, but we need to get comfortable with the significance of the truth. You see, when Adam disobeyed God in the Garden of Eden, back in Genesis chapter three, sin entered the world at that point and it corrupted God's perfect creation. Adam and Eve broke their relationship and their fellowship with God. The shalom that we we talked about in week one, that peace, that wholeness, the completeness of creation was broken. And so Jesus came to restore that relationship between God and humanity. This is the reason for Christmas. And scripture says he will save his people from their sins. And thank goodness he did. Because we've all sinned and we all fall short of the glory of God. So we need a savior. Best part of it was this. And we've been saying this, this whole sermon series, Matthew 1, 23. The virgin will be with child, you will give birth to a son, they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. That's beautiful, church. And here's the point. Jesus in the cradle ultimately means that God loves us so much that he wanted to be with us in this sin-soaked world. He left his heavenly home by choice to come and be with us. That, my friends, is an everlasting love. Number two in your outline. If you still doubt that God loves you, look past the cradle and look at the cross. Jesus could have called legions and legions of angels to come down and save him from whatever this world was gonna throw at him. But he chose not to. He chose to be obedient to the Father. He was willing to experience life on earth and then endure the most gruesome and excruciating, painful death possible, a crucifixion on a cross. And so think about this, folks. Jesus gave up everything that he was capable of giving up, even his own very life, so that he might restore your relationship with Almighty God. Can we give Jesus some praise for that this morning? Thank you, Lord. That's why he did that, out of his love. And the Apostle Paul says it like this, Romans chapter five, verse eight, he says that God demonstrates his own love for us. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus came at Christmas time to save us from our sin. To save us from the disappointments that we experience in this sin-soaked world. Now we can't always escape the effects of sin and, and the consequences of it But the cross does give us hope. It gives us hope of a future with God where there's no more pain and there's no more suffering and there's no more sin and there's no more death. Do you look forward to that? I know I do. And what looked like a humiliating defeat for Jesus actually ended up in an astonishing victory. As we said in week two, he wore a victor's crown. And yes, he died on a cross. Three days later, he rose from the grave. 
and he gave us an eternal hope, amen? So even the most devastating of circumstances of life, in those moments, nothing can stop the love that God has for you. Nothing. And so this morning, I want you to get that. Nothing can stop God's love for you. And he used Malachi to bring that message to us. It's my prayer for you and for you and for you and for you and for those of you joining us online this morning to know that this is fact. God loves you. So I invite you to respond to God's love for you this morning. I'm gonna give you some ways to respond quickly. I got three of them here. Letter A in your outline is come back to Jesus. If you're at a point in life where maybe you grew up in church or you used to walk with God but you've gotten off the path and now you're running and somehow on Christmas Eve you ended up in church. Somehow things in life didn't go your way, they didn't go the way you expected them and and you needed someone to blame and so you blamed God. Happens a lot. Listen, my friend, God loves you. He loves you with an everlasting love and he's calling you to return to him today. The same prophet Malachi in chapter three called the nation of Israel to return to the covenant relationship that they as a nation had one time with God. He told them to repent of their sin and to stop their idol worship. I'm calling you today to do the same thing. Return to Jesus. Come back to him. Lay down your pride. Stop the idol worship in your life. Allow the Holy Spirit of God to bust up all the nasty and rotten things that you've got going on in your life. All the things that keep you from thriving in relationship with Almighty God. Friends, today, Christmas Eve 2023 is your day to return to Jesus. So come back to him. His arms are open wide, and his love for you has never changed. A second way you can respond today is letter B. Engage spiritually with Jesus. Christmas is tomorrow. The New Year is just over a week away. So the question for you is, is what spiritual goals do you have for 2024? In the book of John, Chapter 4, verse 23 and 24, it says this, Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers that the Father seeks. Verse 24, God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in what church? In truth. So I just want to encourage you this morning. Let's elevate your spiritual commitment to the Lord next year. To worship God in spirit and in truth. So think about whatever it is you're doing for God and in the ministry of the kingdom. So I want to encourage you to step out in faith and take the next step, whatever it is. I put some ideas here in your outline for you to ponder. Maybe your next step is to begin serving in a ministry. You've been attending church for a while, but uh, all you're doing is sitting here in the auditorium every week and, and, and you're attending a worship service. That's wonderful and all, and I'm thankful that you're here, but there is so much more for you in the kingdom of God than that. 
We have a ton of ministry opportunities for you to serve God here at First Baptist. God's intention for you is to do more than warm a pew, congregation. I said this last series, you are never more like Christ than when you are serving others. For example, those people serving in bed babies right now, praise the Lord for them. They are more like Jesus than all of us are right now. It's true. So what can you do to get involved in ministry? Maybe your next step is committing to the church and membership. Our next Discovering Church membership class is in March, so maybe you've been attending for a while and you might be serving, and, but your next step is to take a deeper commitment to God and fully partner with us in making disciples who make disciples. So would you consider moving beyond just being an attender and becoming a member of First Baptist Church of Fair Oaks? Along with that, maybe your next step is following Jesus in believer's baptism. You've asked Christ into your life, but you've never been baptized, and you want to be obedient to Jesus. Well, next Sunday morning, New Year's Eve, we're going to warm up that baptistry up there. We've already had some that have said, yes, I want to follow Jesus and get baptized on New Year's Eve. Would you consider joining them? I'm inviting you to do that. All you have to do is fill out that connection card in front of you, legibly, so I can read it, okay? You can scan that QR code and do the same thing and check that baptism box and I will call you on Wednesday of this week and speak with you. Maybe your next step is to join a small group. They start back in January. Here's the deal about groups, everybody. Groups encourage people to explore the Bible and faith together. They encourage people to build strong relationships with one another and often they do that. This is where you will learn the Bible and get support and encouragement in your faith journey. God never intended you to live the Christian life in isolation. You were created to do life together in community with other believers. And so I'm encouraging you, take that next step in 2024. Currently, our small group ministries takes place at 9.15 a.m. on Sundays, and they're gonna resume on January the 7th. And if 9.15 a.m. on Sunday morning is just too early for you, Mr. Sleepyhead, it's okay, I get it. I want you to know that you're on our mind because our small group ministry leadership team is currently making plans to expand our ministry reach into other time slots this next year. Now, why would we even do that sort of thing? Because we care so much about you, and we believe that you being in a group is that important. So remember, group ministry, folks, is the, not a, it is the primary place where you will experience the life-changing power of God in church life. It's not gonna be sitting here in a pew listening to the bald guy speak every week. Now, yes, worshiping together is important. Let's not negate that. But it's not primary. It's secondary. The primary place is group life. So get plugged in. And if you need help getting plugged into a group, you can talk to our connection kiosk and you, as you walk out the door today. Stop by there. Pastor Dan and his crew will help you get involved into a group. So what's your next step in 2024? I've given you a few things to think about. I just wanna encourage you, everybody, take the next step. Do not just stand still in your spiritual development. Lastly, 
letter C, and you could respond by finding ways to share Jesus with others. Now, as Southern Baptists, one of our core values is sharing Christ with other people. So I ask you this morning, how are you doing with that? Were you able to have a time where you could share your testimony with an unbeliever this last year? Did you have any gospel conversations at all with anybody, especially unbelievers, this last year? Did you pray for the salvation of a lost loved one, a friend, coworker, neighbor, anybody in your life this last year? We know the scripture. Jesus has called us, Acts 1-8, to be his witnesses. So think of it like this. All of us who are believers, we get the privilege to share Jesus with others. So the question for us is, how are we gonna do it next year, right? Recently, my family was out to lunch with some church members, and I was blessed to see Christ being shared in a very small way. A church member gave our waitress a gospel track and told her that Jesus loved her. The waitress thanked him. I smiled at him. He smiled back at me, and I told him, excellent job. When it comes to sharing Jesus with others, it's just remember, it's just easy, you know, kind of love thing, Right? The call from Jesus is for us to just share in the most loving and compassionate way that we possibly can. Folks, remember, Jesus is the hope of the world. And you're in possession of the hope. So what are you gonna do with it? Share it. Share, 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 right? Share it. What a privilege we have. We get the opportunity to share Jesus with an unbelieving world. And so to help you with that, if you still need some help, Pastor Kevin is gonna lead a, a, a class in ways to share your faith in our next round of Sunday night evening discipleship classes starting January 21. So if you'd like to sharpen your skills on sharing Jesus with friends, family, coworkers, neighbors, or whatever, consider taking that class. The prophet Malachi, he gave us a sign of love from God. Is, was a reminder to God's people that the Lord has never stopped loving them. He loves your unbelieving friends. He loves your family. He loves you. Bible says that God loves the world so much that he sent his one and only son into the world as a baby to be with us, to live among us, and to be the perfect example of what love and compassion look like. Ultimately, he came to die on a cross and save the world from the grip of sin. What a gift. What an amazing Christmas gift. And Christmas is about God demonstrating his love to us. So as we close today, my encouragement for you this Christmas, congregation, is for you to be the person that God has called you to be. Pursue your next step in faith. Receive his free gift of love today in Christ Jesus. And for all of us who believe in Jesus, can we just carry the love of Christ 
for all the world to see as we go forward. Can we do that together? Amen? Congregation, I'm gonna ask if you'll stand and pray with me this morning. Father, we're thankful so much today for your presence in our life, for your presence in this room, for your presence in the home of everybody who's watching us online this morning. God, it is our heart's desire to serve you. So Lord, I'm praying for every person in this room today, Lord, that they will hear the truth of what has been spoken here, that you love them with an everlasting love. That in the midst of whatever difficult situation we, may, we all may be going with, Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters that they would experience the peace that comes from you, the hope that they have from you, the love that you give. And that in the midst of their difficulty, God, that you will be with them. Father, we're thankful for Jesus and for him coming to this earth to save us from our sin. God, we couldn't do that without you. So thank you, Lord, for the amazing gift at Christmas, the gift of Jesus. So Lord, in our own faith today, we wanna trust you. Help us to take that next step in faith. And for those of you in the room today, maybe your next step in faith is to start a journey of faith. So as you're here this morning, as you've been listening to to me preach and, and God is speaking to your heart and you're starting to catch on that he's loved you your whole life with an everlasting love and you've never made the decision to follow Jesus, why not Christmas time be the time? So I just wanna invite you to step out in faith today and to invite Jesus to be Lord of your life. All you have to do is just simply admit that you're a sinner, believe that he came, that he died and he rose again and confess him as Lord and Savior. So pray with me and just say, Lord Jesus, I confess my sin today. Help me to live for you. Come into my life. Save me. I repent of my sin. We believe that if you did that, God enters your heart and you're a new creation. And we want to celebrate that today. Father, again, thank you for this great day you've given us, Christmas 2023, where we celebrate the birth of your son. God, help us to go out of this place today and live in faith. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Before you go, if today was a day where you made one of those decisions to follow Jesus for the first time, I wanna invite you to respond today. Here's how you can respond. I'll give you two ways. The first thing you can do is take that connection card Fill it out. Check that box that says interested in finding more about Jesus. Put that card in the hands of somebody at the connection kiosk on your way out and we wanna give you some resources to push you forward in faith and so you can get to know Jesus. Second way you can respond is to come over here to the encouragement area. My left, your right. We got some people here who wanna answer your questions, who wanna pray with you and encourage you, give you the world's biggest high five and tell you how and excited we are that you're now part of the kingdom of God. Congregation, following Jesus is primary decision number one. Amen? Amen. Amen. Nothing more important in life than that. So much that Jesus came at Christmas time. So don't leave today without 
following Jesus and letting us help you with that, all right? Come back today at four o'clock, candlelight service. We look forward to having you with us. We'll celebrate the Christmas Eve together. Let's go out, let's be the church. God bless you, thanks for being here. Have a Merry Christmas.